0: Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Numbers. And Numbers is a book that that gives us Presbyterians rather few lessons to read. Uh, But this week, I'm happy to report, uh, Numbers is the source of our Old Testament reading. And so I would invite you to, to listen for uh, some, some words from God from a, an unfamiliar text to most of us. It is the 11th chapter, verses 24 through 30, and there it is written, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people, and that's a big session, and he gathered them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the spirit that was upon him, Moses, and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad, and the spirit rested upon them. Now, they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, he and the elders of Israel. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning, this day of Pentecost, is the account in the second chapter of Acts of the coming of the spirits upon those Eagerly waiting in Jerusalem, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This image of the Holy Spirit, as it's coming to be present on, in, and with the people of God, it was not without precedent when 50 days after the death of Jesus, the disciples experienced the transformative miracle that forever was to change their ministry. As we read in Scripture accounts as far back as the time of Moses, as we did just a few minutes ago. The Spirit of the living God has been gifted to chosen people in accordance with divine purposes. What made the New Testament account in the second chapter of the book of Acts so novel was that it marked a new thing in the habits of the Spirit. For up until this time... When the Lord had bestowed his spirit upon someone, it was done for a limited amount of time, long enough so that they were able to accomplish a particular task they had been given. In the account from the book of Numbers, it's to enlighten the session of the day, those of the elders of Israel who were called to make wise, informed decisions to make for a better old covenant life. They were apportioned the Spirit so that each one could prophesy in a a one-off event. In the account from the book of Acts, the Spirit came and gave the gift of speaking other languages or tongues to the disciples so that they could tell the multitudes assembled in Jerusalem for the festival all about what God had done in and through Jesus to invite them to be part of a new covenant people. However, unlike in the former instance, and indeed in every other recorded instance up until the latter, the gift of the bestowal of the Spirit of God upon this group, it wasn't a limited time engagement. Now perhaps this was so because the coming of the Son had to precede the coming of the Spirit. One could make that argument based on some of the things Jesus said in the Gospels. Or maybe it was on account of God choosing not to speak through clouds of smoke by day and pillars of fire by night any longer. But whatever the divine reasoning was behind this extraordinary new state of affairs, this is some of what the abiding of the Spirit meant and some of what it means. First, Pentecost. It's been dubbed the birthday of the church. This by various authors, scholars, and theologians through history. And the gift that she was given by God at that big party was that of the Holy Spirit. And it is this enduring presence and power of the Spirit that has given and continues to give life to the church anew. And that is a great part of what we celebrate today in this special festival in the life of the church. Prior to this miracle, though, this had been a special day in the life of the people of God already. The great festival day was then also known to the Jews as Shavuot, which means weeks, or Hag HaShavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which involved a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It was also known as the Festival of Weeks, or the Festival of the Harvest, or the Day of the First Fruits, or the Festival of the First Fruits. It corresponded with the ingathering of the first harvest of the year, uh, something akin to the, the harvest of our winter wheat crop. The people were called to take a time out and to specially thank the Lord for meeting their body's needs for their daily bread, as it were, as well as for providing for their spiritual nourishment through his continued covenant faithfulness. In the instructions from Deuteronomy describing the celebration of this occasion, it is written, So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. Did you catch that? The call from God to rejoice? Maybe the people didn't feel particularly joyful at that particular moment. Maybe an invasion of locusts had decimated the crop. Maybe there was a drought in the land. Maybe there had been flooding rains or a hailstorm or a plague upon the land. Whatever the external conditions, the call is for a joyful spirit with which to praise God from whom all blessings flow, regardless of whatever momentary affliction we are enduring. After all, It's not just for this year's returns that we are thanking God, but for all that he has done for us individually and corporately as the people of God. That's the sort of gratitude that this festival engendered among the Jews. In a book written about the festival of Pentecost, the authors speak to the faith of farmers as having to be particularly strong as they are at the mercy of the elements to determine whether this will be a successful or a less than successful season. The ritual of planting and tending and hoping until the harvest lured many to seek some extra insurance along the way, often in the form of idol worship. The land of Canaan was home to Baal, the native God of fertility, and so it wouldn't have been uncommon for them to have served not just the God of Moses, but to also offer some sort of worship and sacrifice on the side of their tabal, just, just to be safe. The, the following observation appears in their book: There was no history in the Canaanite religion, and no destiny either. only the yearly cycle then another yearly cycle, and then another. Their elaborate rites did not look back to a past redemption, nor did it look forward to a future with God, but only to the annual cycle of rain and growth. We see this, they say, in our own time, in the philosophy of living only for today, with little or no regard for history and little sense of destiny. In the modern and postmodern world, just surviving the present, whether it's urban life or the life of the farmer, is all consuming. This generation distrusts the past and despairs of the future. How different is the viewpoint of the Christian? We know where we came from, and we know where we are headed. Indeed, we should know, we ought to know, but sometimes, or maybe more than sometimes, we have a bit of trouble knowing and remembering. I think that one of the greatest gifts that we have, thanks to the presence of the Holy Spirit, as it continues to abide with us, is that knowing and that reminding has come to us thanks to this third leg of the Trinity. In this sense, the coming of the Holy Spirit was in itself a first fruit gift from God that marked the beginning, the beginning of a new chapter of his work in the world in and through Christ's followers, who collectively would become the church. It's probably not a coincidence that the days between the Passover and Pentecost was the square of a perfect number, seven, Seven weeks of seven days brings us from the end of one observance through the days between, and then up to the next, which is marked on day 50 from the Greek, which we know as Pentecost. According to Jewish traditions, it was on this very important day that the Lord gave the law to Moses for his people. Two of the primary reasons Theologians proposed this was done, was to, to help the people remember who God is and to give them guidance for knowing and living into the people that God had made them to be separate and distinct from among all the other nations, all the other peoples of the earth. And this morning's account of the coming of the Spirit upon the disciples gathered there in Jerusalem on the first Pentecost since Jesus' death reinforces the notion of God's desire for his people both to remember and to act. The multilingual evangelistic address given by the apostles was a tour de force of God's power. The Spirit had gifted them the ability to speak and to be heard by a diverse audience so that the awesome works of the Lord from of old until this day could be recounted, and re-understood. And then Peter, Peter, of all people, the one who had lied about knowing Jesus and abandoned him in his time of trial, this same Peter came forward to loudly and boldly proclaim before all Jerusalem that the time had now come for God to fulfill the promise that he had made to his people through the prophet Joel. Look at what God had done. Remember what God has promised he will do. The great and terrible day of the Lord is nearer now than it has been before, and those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is then, I think, quite appropriate that we should celebrate communion in conjunction with this special day. It is a festival involving first fruits, and as we partake of the elements which come to us, from the bounty of the earth, we do so honoring the first fruits that we have received in Christ. In his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his sending of the Holy Spirit, we are recipients of holy gifts, which are a foretaste of the final harvest and the great banquet. In partaking of the body and blood of the first fruits, we are participating in a renewal or an affirmation of the new covenant, uniting ourselves with God through Christ and his sacrificial offering. And so, as we honor God and celebrate his goodness, particularly this festival day, as we remember all the powerful deeds he has done for us, and as we revel in the ongoing workings of his spirit in our lives, may we do so with rejoicing, even in the midst of a sinful and fallen world. For we know that the day is surely coming when the Lord will come again in glory to make all things new, and for that we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.